Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you promised to abide with us. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would, in a very real way, be present with us here now as we look at your word. We ask that you would use it to bring life into our souls, that we might follow you more closely, that we would love you more dearly, Lord, and that we would be able to walk out our faith as a clear witness to you. Amen. Please be seated. This week, as some of you know, I was uh, privileged to be able to be at the Anglican Diocese of the Great Lakes Clergy Retreat. And I always find myself going into the clergy retreat thinking, oh, I've got another thing to do. And this is kind of an inconvenience. But I found it to be incredibly refreshing this time. And I think that's because our speaker was the Reverend Dr. John Yates, who's the rector of Falls Church in Virginia, one of the largest Anglican churches in the United States. And he just brought God's word so alive to us in his teachings. And so I must give a little disclaimer. One of the object lessons was not developed by Father Sean in the sermon today. <laughs> I'm stealing, because that's what good pastors do. We steal, but then we make it scholastic by citing, right? <laughs> so we're looking at the text today, and we're continuing on with the uh, sermon series we've been doing on the Apostles' Creed. And you recall that last week, we talked about Jesus coming back to judge the living and the dead. Well, this week we start the third part of the three main parts of the creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot written about the Holy Spirit. In scripture and in popular works, um, you can read and read and read on the Holy Spirit in today's uh, Christian uh, literature. And I want to say, just as a disclaimer also, I am not giving you an exhaustive explanation on the Holy Spirit, or even what he does. But I do want to look at four important questions. Number one, simply, who is he? Number two, where does he come from? Number three, why is he so important for the Christian? And number four, what is he calling us to do? So try to keep that in your mind as we go through the text today. Let's look at the first question. Who is he, after all? You know, sometimes, as my wife pointed out at dinner the other day, it's confusing when we talk about God to those that don't come from a Christian background because we maintain that there's one God and yet three persons. And the Holy Spirit is the third person in what we call the Godhead. All of the persons of the Godhead together, united by one substance. And so, just, you know, you're not going to understand that. Just leave that there. Yeah, and don't feel bad, because scholars don't understand that either. It's a holy mystery, right? Three persons, one substance. But the first thing we notice about the Holy Spirit, I think, is that he's a person. Not an it. So don't call the Holy Spirit it. <laughs> He's a person, like you and me. 
<laughs> He's depicted as a bird. If you look closely at the scripture, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is, uh, look, looks like a bird descending, right? We see that in the stained glass and all sorts of imagery. But if you look closely at the text, it says he's like a bird descending, right? So, yes, thank you. Good clarification. A person, a person of God, just as the Son, Jesus Christ, is a person, a person of God. But the Holy Spirit is defined by his relationship with the Father and the Son, just as the Son is defined by his relationship with the Father and the Son. Why do we call Jesus the Son of God? Because he's revealed himself to be God's Son. His primary relationship with God the Father is one of sonship. And the primary relationship of the Holy Spirit is one that emerges from the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. Theologians call this word, if you want to write it down, here's the thousand dollar word for today, spiration. Spiration is to the Holy Spirit as begotten is to the Son. Okay, enough formal theology. Look with me at John chapter 14, verse 16. It's in your bulletin. It's also in your Bible, of course. Today's gospel reading. We see that Jesus begins by saying in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And as we talked about last week, if we're trying to keep his commandments on our own, well, that's setting us up for failure, so we need to read on, right? Verse 16, I will ask, Jesus says, the Father, and he will give to you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, Jesus here is speaking about the fact that he's going to go and be crucified on the cross. He's going to go away from them, right? going to descend to the dead as we've gone through the creed. He'll come back resurrected and be present to them. But even after that, he's going to depart from them. He's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father, right? As we've said in the creed here so far. So what Jesus is talking about here is that in some real dynamic way, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and yet, in some equally real and dynamic way, Jesus is with you and with me as we walk around. You know, one of the, the, the songs we teach our children talks about Jesus being in our heart, right? And that's a profound reality on one level, but it's also false on one level. Jesus is actually sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, in physical form. He ascends into heaven in his body, to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And yet, as we talked about last week, if Jesus has no connection with you and me, we're damned. We're shafted. We have no hope. So, you see, is Jesus talking in riddles here? When Jesus says that I have gone to my Father and yet I'm with you? I'm going away from you, and yet I'm going to abide in you? 
No, he's not talking in riddles. He's trying to explain to the disciples that the Holy Spirit, that third person, is both his and the Father's spirit that's going to, what does he say? Not just be with you, but be in you. Be in you. Be inside your very essence, inside your very being. There's a connection of love established through the Holy Spirit given at baptism. C.S. Lewis talks about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. This is from his work called Mere Christianity. He says, you know that among human beings, when they get together in a family or a club or a trade union, people talk about the spirit of that family or club or trade union. They talk about its spirit because the individuals, when they're together, do really develop particular ways of talking, behaving, and behaving, which they would not have if they were apart. It's as if a sort of communal personality came into existence. Of course, it's not a real person. It's only rather like a person. But that's just one of the differences between God and us. What grows out of joint life of the Father and the Son is a real person, is in fact the third of the three persons who are God. What's C.S. Lewis talking about there? Well, I think you've all experienced this. You know, I'm happy to have one of my college friends, uh, Jason Klepps, with us today. And uh, Jason and I go all the way back, and we were figuring last night, 17 years ago we started college. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> that hurts. And it's true that even when just Jason and I are together, and when our third friend Luke comes together, in some way we become different people. I think sometimes to the chagrin of my wife. But most of the time it's good, right? Because we've spent so much time together. We, we are at ease with each other. We're not worried about offending each other. We're not worried about, uh, you know, uh, some of the things and some of the formalities that you have with, with new friends, right? You want to put your best first foot forward and all of that. Right? No, we're at ease with one another. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is that the Holy Spirit is like that with God the Father and God the Son. That the Holy Spirit is kind of an expression of that. He says it's like that, except what if the spirit of that group were embodied in a real person? Right? That'd be kind of scary. But what for us? But what if what if the spirit of that were embodied in a real person? That's how God is. That's how the Holy Spirit is. And that's an exciting thing because you and I as Christians are able to commune with a real person, with the Holy Spirit. We're able to live our lives with him. He's in us. And therefore we're connected to Jesus and connected to the Father. And this has been the plan from the beginning of time. Where does the Holy Spirit come from? Well, think back to your Sunday school days or maybe your early reading of the Bible. Who's in the beginning creating cre with God the Father? First of all, God speaks creation. There's the Son. But second of all, who's hovering over the formless void? Who's hovering over the waters? The Spirit. The Spirit. 
So God's there from the very beginning. And as our Ezekiel passage told us, God's been there not just from the beginning for creation, but God's been there as part of God's plan for redemption too. What does that mean? Part of God's plan to bring us out of sin into light, to bring us out of evil into holiness, into the presence of the one holy and true God. Look at Ezekiel 36 from our first passage. What does he say to his prophet Ezekiel? This is a promise that God makes at least 500 to 800 years before Jesus. And I will give you a new heart, God says to his people, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. So the Holy Spirit's been there from the beginning. And if you'll notice, the Holy Spirit has been the helper from the beginning. He's going to help you to keep God's rules, to keep his commandments. Why? Because God's this judge waiting for you to slip up? No, because God wants you to be holy and happy and in his presence. Notice that in our psalm today, King David cries out, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Right? We say it in the versicles in morning and evening prayer. Why do we say that? Because of our own, we're rotten. We have no hope of loving God or even keeping his commandments, but through the Holy Spirit. So, our third question, why is the Holy Spirit so important to Christians? Here's the answer. It's not a trick question. Because he's our only option. He's your only option. He's your only connection with God. You know, you can read the Bible all you want. You can memorize scripture. You can know the liturgy. You can go through the actions. You can take the sacraments. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it means nothing. It means nothing. In fact, it might be imperiling taking the sacraments. The Holy Spirit is that connection to God. It's only by the Holy Spirit that you and I can have life. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we can have Jesus. It's only from the Holy Spirit that the cross, that thing that we wear on our necks and is up above our altar and we carry around, it's only through the Holy Spirit that that's not just an insignificant historical event of some man being executed. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us and we in him is what unites us to God. And what does he do? Well, Galatians tells us he helps us to be like God because you know what? Not only does he abide with us, but he displaces things in us. Did you catch that? Look at the, the epistle reading from the book of Galatians. For the, this is verse 17. For the flesh sets its, its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. 
But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Then we get that nice little list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. What's Paul saying there? What's the Holy Spirit's chief role? To make us look more like Jesus. To connect us more to Jesus. To put to death the flesh, which is New Testament language for human nature what we are in and of ourselves, what we are without the grace of God. You know, I'm on a diet right now. I hope you can tell. And one of the things that goes on with a diet is that if you just try to not eat the things that you should not eat, are you very successful? No, you're not. If you're just trying to avoid things, Good luck. You know. I'll have cereal in the morning, but I won't have milk. That's not going to work, right? But if, on the other hand, you try new things, you dig into new recipes, you try other foods out, what happens? Well, you might find yourself not desiring those original things quite so much. And look, that's an earthly example. How much more real is it with the Holy Spirit, a living, dynamic person in you? He comes in you, and he starts kicking out those old things. Right? Get out of here, enmity. Get out of here, avarice. You might you start to feel that check. And before you know it, the Holy Spirit is changing your appetites and your desires. That's what Paul's saying here. That's what Paul's saying here. So do you see the Holy Spirit's crucial for us to have life itself, but it's also crucial for us to grow as Christians. Now, I'm not going away, don't worry. I know exactly what I'm doing here. And the mic is still on, I think. Yes? All right. Here's the object lesson. Stealing. Oh, Jason, did you have to fill this so heavy? It's kind of like this. The sponge is like you and me. In baptism, we have the Holy Spirit. There's some water in there, right? But if we're trying to live out our own desires, our own will, and we're coming to church every week, and we're taking the sacraments, every week. Well, it, it kind of fills us up. We're reading our Bible daily. But if we're trying to live by our own strength, the sponge doesn't hold much water, does it? It's like the clasped hand. And our souls are like that. 
when instead we embrace the leadership of the Holy Spirit we come to church we study God's word we take the sacraments weekly we abide with God's people we come and we participate in events notice we're still leaky so we still need to keep doing those things, right? But the Holy Spirit, even in that state, in us, is so much more than if we were clenched, than if we were trying to live by the flesh, than if we were trying to live in our own control. Do you see, the Holy Spirit continually wants us to be full of him and full of the presence of God so that we can be useful. It's kind of hard to wash your car if you've got a clenched sponge. Right? So the Holy Spirit is like that. What does the Holy Spirit want from you and from me? Acceptance. He wants you to accept him. He wants you to live by him. He wants you to restructure things by his will because it's only in that way that you can be connected with God. Ultimately because it's only in that way that you can be full of the presence of God. That you can have peace. That you can have gentleness. That you can have self-control. That you can have patience. That you can walk out a healthy life. The Holy Spirit wants nothing more than for you to adore God and be part of his family, be part of his community. Let's pray that we're given the grace to accept that. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you fill us up time after time through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that we would be obedient to you because we have that joy and that fullness. We pray that we would do and walk out our lives in love to you, just as your Spirit shows us the love you have for one another. And Lord, we ask that we would always be accepting of your ministry in our lives that we would be able to feel your presence to speak your word to love you fully and to share you with our friends we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Amen